to a meaningful marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million-dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real-life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Hello and welcome to Masoni and Marshall, the Meaningful Marketplace. We are here weekly to discuss the journeys of female food entrepreneurs. We're glad you joined us today as we bring you stories of hope and inspiration. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Masoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Sarah Masoni, we have been on break for so long that I am hoping I remember how to do this. Of course you will. <laughs> did you have a good holiday season and new year? Yes, I did. Thank you for asking. How about you? I did. Um, I I feel like it has been so long since I was on to talk about my business side of stuff. I do have a couple updates for some of our listeners because I'm trying new new things, which is kind of fun. Um, It's always good. Yeah. So I came out with a couple products since our last show. Um, We started growing a lot of our own herbs. I'm definitely not a farmer, but we have quite a bit of garden and land space. Um, So I started doing all this stuff with herbs. And with your help, I connected with um, Rayanti Pasta. And so we're doing a pasta with uh, local um, wheat. And then we're going to also do a gluten-free one with all herbs that I dried. So it has um, bay leaves, lovage, thyme, rosemary, all good things that are great for digestion. And so we dry those herbs, ground them up, brought them to our pasta buddies, and then they made um, some really great pasta for us. So that's a new thing that I have going on. And it goes with our um, marinara sauce packet. So uh, I've talked about before as a way to reduce food waste, anything that we strain out of our hot sauce, I um, freeze dry and powder and put into these packets for people to cook at home. So I have a marinara sauce one now that goes with the pasta. Oh, yum. That sounds so tasty. I can't wait until you have the gluten-free one for me to try out. Yeah, we're going to have it um, ready for when I go back to market in March, because that's when I really have, um, you know, a lot of direct contact with customers. So I'm not going to be wholesaling this product. You know, we're not doing enough of it to like have it go into stores, but it'll just be something that I have available at my farmer's market stand and and online. So if people wanted to order it, they can. That's cool. Yeah. And then I also have a new hot sauce. Um what? That... I thought you had like a dr- salad dressing. You're doing like a French salad dressing. I did a, um, a one-off collaboration with our friend Sasha from Sophie Shrubs. She's a, been a past guest and she is my across the way farmer's market neighbor generally. Um, and so she made this really wonderful shrub that is sage and fig. And um, 
I did a salad dressing that was actually a gift to my husband's father. It's his mom's French dressing recipe, mm-hmm. um, but a twist on it. Uh, so I used all local stuff, tomatoes, and then Sasha's shrub, and then um, we made this really cool dressing. It's just um, available at the farmer's market from Sasha's stand. So if you're interested in that, you can go mm-hmm. get it from her. She'll probably just have it for a couple of weeks. Um, but that was just a fun way for me to sort of have a market presence while I am not at the market. <laughs> I love me some French dressing on cottage cheese. Oh it's yeah. So good. Yeah, it's so good on cottage cheese. You gotta try it. I guess I'm gonna so, have to. <laughs> something that's on top of my mind, of course, this time of year we're getting ready for the fancy food show. And they have a new area called New New Now Next and the Startup Pavilion and the Incubator Village Pavilion has been merged together. So and then directly adjacent is the included pavilion. So we'll have all the startups kind of in the same area in the West Hall. There in Las Vegas, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, so we're getting ready to go to that next week. I yep. am coming along with you. I'm yes, going to you are. be in that new, new now next section, doing something new, and I'm really excited about it. I um, am working with some of the people that you're bringing with the Food Innovation Center, some of your yes. clients. Um, yep. to- cook some recipes so that we can mm-hmm. show buyers how easy it is for their shoppers to cook with stuff at home. So we're doing really yes. simple recipes in that section. So if anybody is at the um, Food Innovation Center, you can come by. I'll be cooking on Monday between 11 and 3 in the um, Food Innovation Center booth. And you can come try some delicious food. And it's exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to do something new in that zone. I'm excited. Is it's called the new now next section, but does it actually have a booth number? Uh, well, just go all the way down the hall, and it'll be sort of on the one of the last doorways into West Hall. Okay, it's cool. easy to find. That hall is so huge, but it's just a great big humongous rectangle. Just one and, big room. Yeah, and they have big signs hanging from the ceiling. So you, all you have to do is just look up and look for Incubator Village, um, and new now next. New next now. I don't know what it is. Triple N. (laughs) Triple N area. Triple N. (laughs) Well, I'm excited. And, and, you know, while Sarah and I are there, we'll, of course, try to find some new guests for the show so we can keep telling people's stories. And then we always pick our top three favorite products. So we'll be on the search for that. Yeah. And this year, I'm going to do a better job of finding my top three. (laughs) Last year, I think you were just too busy. I was too busy, but I, yeah, if it's going to be a tradition, then I got to be on it. Yeah. We'll, so, we'll, we'll walk it. the hall together for sure. Yeah. It's good. All right. Well, it's, um, Sarah and I want to thank our sponsor for supporting yes. us, Sony and Marshall. Thank you for helping us spread the word about small business entrepreneurs. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, Market of Choice. Marketed Choice is a proud sponsor of the Meaningful Marketplace because we believe in the power of local entrepreneurs, so much so that we carry more than 7,000 locally made, raised, farmed, and harvested foods in our stores. Our passion is to help local makers, farmers, ranchers, and fisher folk realize their potential through programs that help them succeed. We love you, Market of Choice. Thanks, buddies. We appreciate you. Mm-hmm. 
We would like to introduce you to our guest today. We have mm-hmm. Julia Baker. She is the owner of Brothy. Brothy is a pasture-raised, all-natural, local simmered broth. Welcome, Julia. Welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Or both We're- Sarahs. <laughs> <laughs> we make it easy for you. You don't have to remember anybody's name. <laughs> Just say Sarah. We'll come running. <laughs> Uh, we want our listeners to be able to follow along. So how do they find you on Instagram and online? Yeah. So uh, Instagram is brothy PDX. Try to make it pretty easy. That's also the email if they want to email me and the website brothypdx.com. Perfect. Thanks for making it easy on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we always like to start at the beginning. So um, let's talk about um, your relationship with broth. Okay, sure. I love this story. So in, um, we'll start with the summer of 2018. It was a tumultuous summer, especially between uh, me and my toilet, if we're going to be honest, right? Like, I, like, I feel like, we, like people in the food space dance around this idea of gut health, but like, what are we really talking about here? Like, it's, a, you know... <laughs> um, so I had this really tumultuous kind of gut health journey. Um, mm for about a year and it was unresolved through a lot of traditional medicines and this was like the last broth was like the last ditch effort to heal like i had a naturopath friend who was saying like oh maybe it's leaky gut like have you tried bone broth and at this point in my life like i don't want to put on the charade that i'm some like traditionally trained chef like food was not my passion you know like I ate out all the time, was a big like kitchen gal, did not have, uh, that wasn't kind of my origin story. Like I didn't grow up cooking in the kitchen with my mom, ate a lot of food, but you know, um, it was really kind of in this like desperation to reclaim my health and reclaim my well-being that I found bone broth. And um, I would say probably in the first month or two of making it and sourcing again, all of my ingredients at local farmers markets that um, I started to feel better, you know, and in the first couple of months, it was bone broth was something that I made for myself, made for friends, always had this huge like mason jar in the fridge. Um, And it was just in the last year that we decided to make brothy a thing and introduce it to the world. I love that part of your story because I feel like everyone sort of has a different path that leads them to places. And I, um, you know, I went to see you at the farmer's market this weekend. And then when I tagged you on Instagram, you you were like, I'm going to try my hardest not to talk about. And you put like poop emoji. I was like, nope, straight out of the gate. Got to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's gotta be where we start. Well, and I think it's important. And I think, of course, not everybody wants to talk about it, but there's always a reason that brings people to where they are at. And so I think it's great that it was helpful for you. And so you made this thing that helps other people. And I know that um, Sarah really wanted to talk about more about bone broth, not poop. (laughs) Bone broth and why, why it heals you. I mean, tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't, I feel like I'm, I don't want to put myself in the position of like, being the dummy and explaining this to somebody like Sarah Masoni, who probably knows all the food science. That, no, like, I don't it's know. okay. <laughs> yeah, just do your just thing. tell us your story. Um, don't worry about me. Okay, okay. I get self-conscious. You're such an expert. No. Okay, so the, the main, from my understanding, right, not coming from a food science background or a nutrition background, 
my understanding of the benefit of bone broth really comes from the collagen in the bone broth, right? So you're kind of extracting all of that collagen, all of the amino acids, collagen being the most kind of, um, what I read was the most prominent protein in our body and it makes up our gut lining. So what happens is like, especially when we have a high stress lifestyle or even like a lifestyle that has a lot of highly processed foods in it, we could get what is called leaky gut. And I don't think that's recognized in a lot of uh, Western traditional medicine modalities yet, um, which is why, you know, I kind of stumbled upon it through my naturopath friend. And um, yeah, so when we drink bone broth, all of that collagen begins to repair the leaky kind of permeability of the gut lining, because when it is in its more leaky state, all of the little microbiomes and the things that help us digest our food get into our blood, get into our system, and it's like attacked by our immune system, right? Causing like this constant low-level inflammation. And I I don't know. I think that's it. Sounds about <laughs> I right. That, yeah, I think that's a great description. And, um, you know, I am quite a bit older than you, but I think that, um, you know, for people my age, for, so for women over 40, the bone broth also, the collagen is great because especially during the pandemic, I started to lose my hair. Oh, yeah. um, and I think it was like the stress of, you know, everything that was going on in the world. I never and, heard this before that you were I mean, losing your hair. Why would I bring it up to you? I lost all of my... All <laughs> so of we're my, talking about keeping in hair loss here sure today. We are. And it's the important things. I mean, I don't, I. it's not that I... You feel, lost your eyebrows? I lost my eyebrows. Yeah. So just so everyone knows... Um, these are tattoos. They're tattooed on. They're not are my eyebrows. I, yeah, I lost all my eyebrows. I lost a lot of my hair. Um, yeah. So I started using bone broth to help build back up that collagen within my Absolutely. hair. Absolutely, yeah. So I think I, all that hot sauce just burned their eyebrows yeah. right off of you. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was hot sauce at all. I think it was definitely stress of oh. what was going on in the world and with, you, you know, my small business. Well, now here we are. <laughs> I mean, I, I always feel like such a snake oil salesman at, at right. farmers markets when I'm talking to consumers because it's like, oh yeah, it's good for your gut health and it's good for your hair, it's good for your skin and your joints and your bones, and I just feel like this crazy person a little. Yeah. Bit. So let's you just tell people, a crazy person. It is tell real. people tell people how do you make bone broth? You have to cook bones. What else do you do? Will you put other stuff in with them in the water or? Tell sure. us how to make bone broth. If, if we're making like, if we're making like the Times New Roman of bone broth, just like boring straight to the point, yeah, you just simmer bones forever. <laughs> I think the 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 hour range for something like a chicken bone broth would be eight to twenty four hours, and then for something a little heartier like a beef bone broth, I've heard anywhere up to seventy two hours. Whoa. Um, where where brothy is a little bit different is that we roast our bones and our veggies in an avocado oil before they go into the pot. So this I've noticed, especially in my recipe testing, brings out a greater depth of flavor. Um, yeah, I just think it's better. But if you wanted to do it at home, like I've made bone broth for my dogs before, <laughs> where I just put bones in a pot and, and let her rip. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the, what I always like to have people know, especially for your business, is because your business is set up so much different than someone like, you know, something like mine. So, like, I like 
cook down vegetables, I bottle them up, I go. Um, so where this becomes important is when you're renting a kitchen space. So for you, you have to cook your product for so many hours. So, you know, on your front page, you know, you say some of them, you're simmering for 20 hours. So why that becomes important for a maker is because you have to, I'm guessing you rent a kitchen space, right? Yeah. And so you have to rent a space for an exceedingly long amount of time compared to other people. So how do you, um, how do you do that? Like, where's your kitchen? What's that process look like for you? Yeah. So this was a little, actually one of the first big hurdles I faced as, as a maker, I guess, going into the biz because a few of the kitchens I'd talked to didn't have, didn't have a steam kettle or a tilt skillet. So they said like, oh, sure, you could come by and like, but you've got to be here and watch this simmer. Mm-hmm. And as somebody with hobbies and a, like a, a, a wife and like friends and things that I want to do with my life, I don't want to just sit in a kitchen for 20 hours every week. Right. <laughs> just feels kind of insane. So I had to do a lot of looking around and I ended up finding a kitchen. Um, it's form- the old kitchen crew space on Broadway in Flanders. And it's now owned by the folks at Jacob and Son. So they took over the lease. I think it was in April or May. Oh, Kitchen um, Crew's not there anymore? No, Michael is not doing Kitchen Crew anymore. He's given it up. And Noah Jacob of Jacob and Sons is the primary leaseholder now. Wow. Thank you for talking. Hot, hot off the press. <laughs> oh, wow. No, nine months off the press. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when I first found Kitchen Crew and talked to Michael, um, my arrangement was that I would pay a certain amount for the hours that I'm working, like actively working and using table space. And then I would have to pay a reduced amount to let it simmer overnight. Essentially. That, that's a good setup. I think um, the only people that I knew that did bone broth, because we used to share, this was like years ago, they don't have a business anymore, but they um, they had a bone broth place next door to us in the Pittman buildings, but they didn't have that set up and it was really hard for them. And I think they were kind of like the first, you know, um, it was Teresa, she used to do the um, yeah. farmer's market. They were kind of like the first people. And I think that- Was, that, um, so, fire, was it fire time? What yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So I'm glad that you have figured it out because I think that's, um, you know, so important. <laughs> well, it's even I, like, okay, everyone go buy, go buy something from Jacob and Sons because they spoil me, really. Like, <laughs> go buy some locks because what we've moved to now that um, Noah's taken over the primary lease is that it's like a monthly fixed rent. Oh, great. And it ends that's up perfect. being, yeah, it, it ends up being a lot cheaper because I I think if I were to have continued on the previous model where it's like I'm paying overnight and I'm paying like, it was like $400 to simmer something for mm-hmm. 20 hours and to do all the work to package yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't think I would have ever broken even with that model. Yeah. It would have been really It's hard. I'm well, I'm thanks for talking to us about those details because it's just something that I always keep in mind whenever I know about makers process and what it takes. Um, just because I know, uh, you know, I've seen businesses over the years who haven't been able to figure it out. And I just want to give our our maker listeners a little advice, which is that whenever you're making changes or moving to a new kitchen or trying to figure it out, maybe you're going from your home to a regular kitchen, really try to figure, you know, find a place that will work with you on that. Because I do think it would be impossible to have a bone broth business where you're paying by the hour. I think that that makes it, it's just too challenging. And I know that, um, 
Ben from Jacobson Salt, he experienced this as well uh, because he had to dry out his salt for so long and he was at Kitchen Crew. And so he had to work out a special deal. So I just want to mention that to our makers that if you have something that takes an extra long time, just negotiate with whoever you're leasing for, for space and time when you're not there, that something is happening and make sure that that rate is much lower than your hourly rates. And I think people usually, if they, um, you know, if they understand that and that it's essential to your success and longevity of your business to do that, they will be hopefully willing to work with you. Yeah. I know you can buy a powdered bone broth at Costco. So somebody's made it work. So they're making lots of bone broth and they're freeze drying it and you can just pour it in hot water and away you go. So it is scalable. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try it. Oh, surprise. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about where you guys can go find Julia's brothy bone broth. So we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of Meaningful Marketplace. With a mission to serve all Oregonians, we are committed to giving voice to those whose food and agricultural stories are not always heard. By providing access and opportunity for a more diverse and just food system, because food brings people together. All right, we're back. And I did want to give you a little bit of information on bone broth in general. So if you were to drink one cup of bone broth, you would get approximately 7 milligrams of calcium, a half a milligram of iron, 10 milligrams of magnesium, a little bit of potassium at 252 milligrams, a touch of zinc at 0.34, and six whole grams of protein, and actually just a little bit of fat at 2.9 grams, and it's only 86 calories, and it's so beneficial for you. The stats. Now tell us where we can buy this. <laughs> I have to brag a little bit, Sarah, because my protein is better. Oh, good. <laughs> this is something that like, oh my gosh, it was such, it was so expensive to go over to the folks that, I think it was uh, Element Labs that I went to. to oh, get okay. To get your nutrition data. What was yours? Uh, for the beef bone broth, it was 14 grams of protein and 11 wow. grams of collagen per cup. Okay. And in the chicken bone broth, it's 10 grams of protein and seven grams of collagen. Whoa. Yeah, that's so great. I, um, can you say the name of the lab that you used? Because sometimes we have guests that are looking for um, a lab for specific things like that. So just maybe mention. Yeah, of course. It was Element Labs. They're over by the airport. I actually was recommended to them by one of my old high school classmates, actually, who works at the Food Innovation Center, Mike Adams. Oh, your pals with Mike. Yeah, cool. sweetie. Very cool. Um, so I came to see you at the farmer's market this weekend, this Saturday, and your mom was in the booth. Is that something that often happens or was I just very lucky? <laughs> oh, no. So my parents are, um, I would say they're semi-regular visitors at the farmer's <laughs> market. And it's really sweet because like, I think they they come for different reasons, right? My mom gets really nervous about me being able to take a break for lunch. So she comes and she likes to be able to like babysit the booth so I can go like get a muffin or a, a roti or something. Mm -hmm. um, and nice. my dad, my dad is just, he's funny because he's like such a boy scout. He just likes to be of service and help. And 
and hang out. So he'll come and help me with the heavy lifting every once in a while just to get out of the house. They're both retired. So yeah, a lot of I, people see them at the PSU and Montevilla markets if they come by. Yeah, I I came by PSU with my daughter and it was very cute to see your mom and I got to take a very lovely picture of you, which we'll post on our on our Smithsonian Marshall site when your shows up. But it was very sweet. I could tell your mom was just like so proud of you and oh. so happy. And it was just a really lovely experience. I did want to tell people though, I went at the end of market day. And so you were sold out of broth, except yeah. for you had some of <laughs> uh, you had some hot that my daughter and I could get. So we got to try the um, shiitake and is it seaweed that's in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shiitake and seaweed. And Adeline loved it. And I have to say it was like a savior because it was cold and rainy and she wanted to go home. And she was like, Mom, you stop at every booth. You know everybody. They're all your friends. You said you were just going <laughs> to say hi to your friends. But I was really there a long time. So the broth like helped us get through the rest of the market because she took oh. it from me immediately. and just You're like the mayor the of broth. the market. Just admit it. <laughs> I am definitely not the mayor of the market because I don't make any decisions. I just walk around. I would You're say an I'm influencer like, for I'm sure. the ta- town greeter. I just love to go and chat with everybody and ask them what I should get that they have. And so we had we had a really nice time. But so you time- were at the PSU Farmers Market and mm-hmm. you mentioned Montevilla. Which mm-hmm. one do you like best? Are they different? They're different. Yeah. I, PSU Why is been- different. Oh, what's the political way to answer this question? <laughs> one, one thing I'll say about Montevilla is that I really like the the time frame of it. Like 10 to 2, it's like chef's kiss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect timing. I get I get to sleep in a little bit. You mm. know, it's only four hours. So I love that yeah. about Montevilla. Um, but PSU has just so much more foot traffic. And yeah. um, a lot of a lot of things like a lot of out of town visitors too. So it's really yeah. nice to chat with people that like, you know, it's always very flattering when they say like, Oh, I wish I could bring this home with me or I wish you were in Wisconsin or Alabama or wherever they come from to visit. So that's always fun to chat with people from all over that are visiting Portland. Yeah. So yeah. you have to figure out a shipping uh, system so you can ship it to them. It's like, it's on the back burner right now, Sarah, we're trying. It's <laughs> like the overnight shipping. Okay. Let's take a poll of you two <laughs> in, in, in the room right now. Um, would you pay a hundred dollars for five quarts of bone broth and then $50 to get it shipped to your house? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. People that... are doing that with salt and straw ice cream. Yeah. That is not healthy. I don't know that I I would have the money to do that because I am a small maker, but I know that there are people who Absolutely, can yes. and will, and they have the means to do it, and they don't have the time to make their own bone broth. On they the want Nona, go you on to the make Nona it. Lim. Do you know Nona Lim? Go on her website and see what it is. Nona Lim, she's out of San Francisco. She's mm-hmm. shipping six cups in a mixed case. I don't know how much it costs, but people are buying it. All right, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you should always have it as an option um, because I do think I think that's that sometimes as small business owners we get in our own way because we yeah. think that we think that we don't have the money to pay for it and we don't. Yeah, we but decide are... things for other people. <laughs> yeah, we decide things for people who have like so much money we don't even know what it would be like to have that much money. We cannot yeah. make decisions for those folks, and they're 
and you want these healthy products. Yeah. And you're helping them, you know, and I think that that's what they're paying for is like this, this thing that will help them through their day. And so yep. I think that for yep. sure you can do it. Um, and, you know, maybe you won't get orders every day or like a lot of orders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no idea, but you, yes. but having it as an option is always good. I think. Yeah. And especially if you're shipping it frozen this time yeah. of year, you yeah. don't really even need to put that much ice pack in it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah true. that's true. Um, well, I just wanted to give some of our listeners advice. So if they're shoppers and they're coming to buy broth from you at the farmer's market yeah, and they want to get that brothy broth, what time do they need to be there? Oh, yeah. Is there uh, a line in the morning? There's not a line in the morning. It's funny. My shoppers usually get there at, like for the PSU market. 10 to 1130 is when I'm just slammed. Um, we sold out of everything at 1245 this weekend and the last wow. couple of weekends and, and it goes till two, right? So I'm just yeah. sitting there like a dummy telling, sorry, <laughs> next time. <laughs> um, do you collect their information and then do porch drops? Oh, I'm absolutely not that savvy. No. <laughs> That's what Sarah Marshall does. Yeah. But I, but I also like my business is set up different because I'm out delivering to grocery stores. And Mm -hmm. so I can just drop to customers. But if you aren't doing wholesale, it might not be worth it for you to do that. You know, like yeah, it only works for me because I'm already out there, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the best time to come by to know that you're going to get something is in that first 90 minutes of either market. By the end of it, yeah. you know, we start running low on sizes or maybe like mm. we sold out of chicken or beef and we only, you know, it, yeah. it, it comes a little more. Okay. So yeah. you hear that every listeners out there so, you want it, get there within the first two hours of the market. So you said that your mom's kind of involved. Is this her secret recipe or is it one that you came up with? Absolutely not. This came from a combination of a lot of Googling. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of recipe research um, and some fine tuning in the brothy brothy kitchen, aka my house. Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Those are the best kinds of products, I think. Yeah. Just yeah. like your own Straight experience and trial and error. Um, yeah. We we always like to ask our guests what flavor tells their story best. So which one is that for you? I think the beef beef bone broth is that for me because I. Um, when I first started having my gut health issues, I couldn't have garlic or onion or no garlic specifically. Onion was less of a problem, but alliums were giving me issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so the beef broth was the one that was my go-to and it doesn't have any garlic in it. It's just a standard mirepoix, carrot, onion, celery, um, all roasted. And uh, yeah, that was that was where it started. I actually wasn't even going to do a chicken broth. What changed so. your mind? <laughs> um, Ginger, the, the market manager. Yeah, Ginger, the market manager over at Beaverton. Yeah. She reached out to me and she asked if I was going to be selling chicken broth. She's like, oh, oh or, like I saw that you only submitted beef. Are you selling chicken? I'm like, well, okay. I could. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure will, Ginger. And yeah. I, Ginger's so great. I love her. She, um, you know, I, I don't do the Beaverton market anymore, but I used to, but she really knows the customer base in Beaverton. Oh, yeah. So she will do things like that often where she'll be like, Hey, could you bring something like this? Like one time she had me bring salsa because their salsa vendor wasn't going to be there. And she was like, can you make something that's available because people are going to buy it from you? Or she had a barbecue sauce person. She was like, bring extra barbecue sauce because my barbecue sauce maker 
isn't going to be there. So she like knows wow. what's what's going to help vendors be successful, which is really nice. She's like a dream market manager. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think she's done it for like 20, it for 20 years or something like that. Original. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so we know the flavor that tells your story best, which is beef broth. Mm-hmm. I talked about the seaweed and mushroom, shiitake mushroom one, which was delicious. Are I didn't there... see that on your website. Oh, that uh, that it might be a little bit funny to find on the website because the picture that goes along with it is Julia's choice. So that's where it might have uh, like the turkey one. I just oh, don't okay. do a separate mm. label for those yet. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's like your seasonal flavor. Yeah, the seasonal ones. Shiitake and seaweed, though, is has been so popular that I just sent a label off to my label people and we'll have that year round coming up soon. Oh, that's great. I, I really loved that one. It's so good. And what are, are there other flavors that we're missing out on just so we can make sure people know? Oh, my gosh. So the seasonals I've been having so much fun with since we started doing them. Um, in the spring, we'll have salmon and ginger come back. And that's based on a Chinese fish head soup. So it's a completely different uh, manufacturing method. Like I cook these the fish heads and bodies in the tilt skillet and I use the tilt skillet instead of the steam kettle. Um, Another one that I've done that was hyper local was a spicy pork broth where I get the pork bones from Deck Family Farms and I used um, end of season jalapeno and serrano peppers from Eloisa Organic Farm. What else have I done? Right now the seasonal that we're offering is turkey and sage so it's kind of like a liquid Thanksgiving. I got the turkey, it's all turkey feet that went into that. And those came from Deck Family and Marion Acres. Mm. And and just for people that aren't familiar with the farmer's market, all those farmers that she is mentioning are local farms. They're at the market right there with her, which is really wonderful. Um, I do want to talk about, because you mentioned things like a tilt skillet and mm-hmm. um, a kettle. So <laughs> I how... How did you figure out how to use those things or that those were things that you needed? Because I think there's always a growing phase for businesses and you um, clearly went from experimenting in your home into using these things. And so how did that happen for you? Um, well, the first step was I cried about it a lot. Oh. <laughs> it is stressful. Yeah, it was stressful. But thankfully, I did have a couple of friends in the food industry already. Like one of my really good friends is the baker over at Nostrana. Mm-hmm. And they were telling me that it's like, oh, well, like hit up, hit up Michael at Kitchen Crew because they had worked with Michael before at Bowery Bagels. And, you know, it was kind of this very serendipitous kismet situation where my baker friend set me up with Michael. Michael has a tilt skillet. I don't have to babysit a tilt skillet because it's not on a stove. And it's just this 40 gallon thing that I get to mm-hmm. set and forget. It's a big flat rectangle, right? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, I might, I meant steam kettle. Not the oh, tilt. Steam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So tilt skillet is actually like the craziest piece of kitchen equipment I've ever yeah. come across in my life. And that's the big rectangle that kind of yeah. has these like hydraulic yeah. things that, you know, manually tilt it up. To so pour. are you using the tilt skillet or just the steam jacketed steam kettle? Yeah, I'm using the steam kettle for most of the broth. The tilt skillet is only for the salmon and ginger broth. And that's because like with the Chinese fish head soup, 
the way that most Chinese soups are made are in a wok, right? So you like cook the fish, you cook the ginger, you cook the the green onion in this wok, and then you just add hot water to it, right? And to do that on a commercially viable scale, the tilt skillet is kind of the most logical way to do it because I think it's either it's either like a thirty gallon or a forty gallon tilt skillet that they have. It's big. It's big. Yeah, yeah. So I lucked out in that they have both of those. So people. if you think about a gallon, gallon usually weighs about eight pounds. So that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Some two hundred fifty pounds or something like that. When you make that um, fish broth, do you what do you do with all the stuff that was in the broth? Do you just throw it away, or do you make something else with it? No, I haven't found a way to do anything with the leftover bones or veggies. So right now everything's just going into the compost. So the kitchen does have like curbside compost available. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the products that I'd experimented with was beef tallow. So the fat that comes off of the beef marrow bones after I make broth. And I did sell that for a short period of time. Um I brought it back. That's in demand, food. actually. Beef tallow, sometimes you can't even find it, just to let you know. Mm-hmm. I tried to find it to sous vide some volcano shanks that I bought. And mm-hmm. I went to a couple meat shops. They're like, nope, sorry, not selling it. We're using it in our sausage. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that might be something you want to pack. Yeah. It, <clears throat> it's tricky because the beef tallow that I was getting, you know, it wasn't pure tallow in that it might have some avocado oil in it because I'm roasting my bones in that. It might have some rosemary and thyme. Or like little flecks of veggies or what it's, you know, uh, yeah. Something to think about. It's something to think about for sure. One of my farmers joked like, oh, well, you could start making cat food or something. So <laughs> yeah. what, what, what yeah, I was totally. thinking about the fish stuff was if you canned it under pressure, all the bones would become soft. Mm-hmm. And you could eat that. Then it would be like calcium and flavor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the the... The fish that I get is, um, it's just the bodies and the heads, though. So it's not like the the meat. It's like just yeah. the backbone, the tail, the head. Well, I think when, Sarah, when you were talking about, you know, powdered products being available, I mean, I think that's what they're doing when they're doing mm-hmm. that, is they're using, like, all the scrap, but they have, you know, industrial machinery that can, like, powder it. You could probably, you know, freeze dry it and try it. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and do that. But, you know, I, I, we always like to encourage people to do something with their waste if they can, because it ends up bringing oh, you. Here's a good idea. Let's what hear it, you, Sarah. <laughs> if you just put it in um, gallon jugs, like empty milk jugs and fill it with water and then tell people it's food for their garden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like compost tea. My grandma Speaking used to Speaking of human of waste. Tea. I think human waste was approved as fertilizer in either, was it in Oregon, sir? California. California, Washington. <laughs> yeah. Scary stuff. I would much rather have fish bones on my, yeah. on sure. my vegetables. Yeah. I Well, I think farmer's market customers would love that too. Like just like compost tea. You know, we, um, we used to be next to the mushroom farmers and they would do um, like. I used to put it on my could, roses. Where you could buy. Tea bags to grow mushrooms but they were using like you know everything from 
their scraps in these bags. So it was just like these stinky, sweaty bags. Like, next to us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> mm, what does that smell? Well, mm. People, I mean, that's what grows good food. So you kind of need it. <laughs> Sustainability um, is important. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Speaking of sustainability, when I was at your booth, I noticed there was a market customer and she's a regular market customer, but she literally had a wagon full of your empty bottles that she was bringing back to you. So we do like to always hear about people's um, good environmental practices. So you're clearly um, using packaging that can be recycled and returned. So can you tell people about that program? Yeah, absolutely. So my intention was to use glass uh, glass jars for both the pint and quart size because I really like the idea of creating community around mm-hmm. returning the jars, washing them, reusing them. Um, and like in my personal journey, I've been trying to cut out a lot of plastic waste and single-use plastic. But what really broke my heart is that mm-hmm. when I tried that at the quart size, the first couple of markets I did last year, um, the quart size glass jars, I think I lost about a third or a half of them because yeah. like at the quart size, they just want to break when they're, when the broth is frozen. Um, and I think I went through like three or four different glass manufacturers and distributors to try to mm. find something that worked and I couldn't. Um, so that was really disappointing, but I was able to later find a compostable paper cup for the quart size. So that I get that question all the time where people ask like, Oh, what's the difference between this and this? And they're pointing to the glass jar and the paper cup. Like, why do you do this? Well, because it's not consistent, but it's the best I could do from like a sustainability perspective Mm -hmm. and still sell, you know, and offer both sizes. Yeah. You know, that just brings up this weird conversation that we have sometimes with makers about glass and, you know, um, I I use glass and I've used the same glass for 12 years that I've had the business, but um, a lot of the glass manufacturing has moved um, overseas. So Mm -hmm. there really isn't a glass manufacturer in the States anymore that will do um, anything other than one specific glass. So um, that's like the um, the ring neck. Yeah. Just like the small regular, it's, it's only in the pint size, not the quart size. Everything else is done um, in a different place. So, uh, so, over the years, glass has changed and it's become a little thinner. So when, mm-hmm. you know, just from a canning perspective, like, um, you know, I teach a lot of canning classes. I've canned my whole lifetime. And a lot of um, jars actually used to be made here in Portland. Kerr jars was here. And the glass changed when it moves. And so you get a lot more broken glass. And it's it used to be okay to freeze um, big quart jars. And now it just doesn't necessarily work as well. So that's not something only you were experiencing. It's something that people are experiencing with glass manufacturing in general. So I always just recommend for, um, you know, makers to try and and, um, you know, just see with their glass if if it does freeze, if it can or cannot freeze, because we've even had that happen with our glass um, just in shipping. It used to be fine to ship in the winter and it was OK, but the glass is a little bit thinner now. And so now Dude, the product to freeze you inside. I sent one of my holiday boxes to New York City and for some reason they couldn't deliver it and it came back to me. So it went all the way to New York it got smashed. So one end of it was completely smashed. It came back to me and all of the glass was fine in there. Oh, wow. That's great. 
I was gonna. I was hoping you weren't gonna say that my hot sauce got all over everything. No, I got my sauce no, in your package. We wrapped it in bubble wrap and then put those disintegrating pea, you know, whatever those are. Packing peanuts. Yeah, and it it made it even after being squished and wet. And shipped back and forth. I know we have that happen sometimes where they can't deliver something and it's something will go all the way to the East Coast and come all the way back. It's like, it, did you really try? Yeah. Well, we appreciate your um, commitment to sustainability, mm-hmm. Julia. We like yes, that. We, do. Um, we always like to ask our guests what they need from their community. So uh, what do you need from us? How can we support you? Oh my gosh. What a big question. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> Um, well, one of the things that I'm toying with, right, mm-hmm. is making brothy, like grow, how to grow brothy sustainably. So I don't know if either of you know this, but it's a passion project of mine, meaning like I still have a full-time job. You have a real job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have my fun in the kitchen in the evenings and like farmer's markets on the weekends. But, mm. you know, when I think about like, what this community knowing that it's like so many makers and like you two having like the depth knowledge you do like how do you know when it's ready for that when when a business is like ready for that next step or like what are the milestones to get there like you don't have to answer this now or if anyone listening has advice brothypdx at gmail.com holler at me <laughs> uh but that's been something that i've been really chewing on a lot lately mm-hmm. Well, I can just tell you about my journey and how um, those kinds of decisions were made for me is that it really comes down to financial stability. So I um, took, I always take classes. I'm in another class right now, but I I take classes whenever I can and whenever they're available. Um, a lot of it comes down to, I take them to do like financial budgeting and to figure out if I'm going to do a new product. Anytime something in my world is changing, I go back and redo my business plan to figure out how much I need to charge. And I think, um, you know, when those big decisions come of whether or not to leave a job um, or, you know, in my world, it was for my husband to leave his job to come work for us. So we had to really figure out how much money we needed to make, how much for us it was taking on wholesale accounts is how we did that. So figuring out how many wholesale accounts we needed to do to be able to supplement that income and then supplement insurance is the other thing to to think about if you're going from a job that you have insurance to not. So all those things kind of come into play. But my suggestion would be to, you know, to I always suggest that people continuously like update and look at their numbers and their business plan. Yeah. And if that's not your thing, you can have an accountant or a bookkeeper help you do that, which is what I do. Um, but I, I think that's writing what it I would, down. Yeah. So I'm telling you to write it down. So when you write <laughs> stuff down, it's really scary. It usually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just got to write it down and then um, negotiate with yourself about what it is you want. Like Sarah said, they had to figure out how much money do we need for Dirk to join them. Mm -hmm. So they were negotiating with themselves about what they needed to transition to a full-time family business. Mm -hmm. And uh, And I think health insurance is super important. So if you have a partner who might have health insurance, that would be an indicator that it might be okay. But I mean, if you're selling out at the market every time, and, you know, that's a pretty good indicator that people want your product. 
And I will say, like, in the beginning, I know the place that you are in right now, which is that you are working all the time. So you go to your regular job and then you work at night and then you're at the market. I have lived that life and it, and I do think it's important. And I, sh- I think it shows dedication to your business. You know, every mm-hmm. part of it, but yeah. it's not, it's also not sustainable. At some no. point you, you will need to make a decision. And I know it's hard to hear that when you're in it because you're like, yeah, but tonight I'm going to go and I'm going to work until three o'clock. And then the next day I'm going to go and I'm going to work my morning job at eight o'clock. I know that life and you can do it for now, but at some point, you're just going to want to not do that. And so it really just comes down to money and numbers and what, and you know, who you need to hire to help you in the kitchen so you can have enough broth to not sell out at market and, Mm -hmm. and you'll get there, but it's, it just takes, um, you know, it takes, it takes you taking the time to sit down and figure out what that would look like financially. Like how much broth would you really need to make to not have to work every second of the day. <laughs> yeah, yep. that was that was definitely an unlock was um hiring somebody to help me in the kitchen. So and hiring um I've hired my cousin to help me at the farmers market. So we kind of alternate markets. Um and right now my wife does help me with all of the branding and packaging. So she's a graphic designer and um you, you know, do have- it's like both of us are working two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> now totally. I just wrangle her into things whenever I need to like update a label or, you know. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think it's good to be in business with the people that you love, but you know, don't also don't um you know, <laughs> if you want to keep the business, you got to make some changes at some yeah. point. At some point. But I mean, you're just you're in the beginning phases and so you're figuring it out, but I do want to compliment your wife and her design because I think that um you have a very great label and packaging and I think it fits with your vibe which is to not take things too serious. I think you know, we always talk about being able to tell your story when you're not there and I think that your wife nailed it. It's beautiful and it does it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. totally. When okay. I her, when I briefed her originally, I just said like, oh, it just, just make it fun. Like it was probably the worst brief in the history of label making, but like do whatever. <laughs> I think I think she did it and I think it's wonderful. So unfortunately, ladies, this is the part oh. where I have to tell us we are oh. out of time. It isn't so... But we want to send people to you to buy all your wonderful broth. So how can they get broth from you, Julia? Yeah. So right now we are at the Portland Farmer's Market and the Montevilla Farmer's Market. We'll be there hopefully until the summer, every weekend that they're open. Um, We're taking a little summer sabbatical. So now until then, we're just at farmer's markets. And hopefully by then we'll have wholesale sorted. But that is, again, a back burner that keeps getting further back on the burner. <laughs> well, that's okay. For now, people can just come to you at the market and get yeah. your wonderful broth. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm really glad that you could take the time to chat with us today. And I hope Me everybody too. comes and buys your wonderful broth. Get there Thank early. <laughs> We record Missoni and Marshall live every week. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you to our audio engineer, Lon, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be a guest on the show, you can send us a DM on our Instagram at Missoni and Marshall. And we will be back in two weeks. Thanks for joining, everybody. Bye. Bye for now. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch.
10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.